Dear Shooter, what happens when you take a three-gun shooter out of her comfort zone and toss her into a long-range glass? Chaos and awesomeness. Of course I'm happy. Okay. Just check it because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing, but get good at your craft first and get your budget for things that really matter at the end of the day. You want to get good at it and make no mistake about it. That's training. Let's face it. If you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. And we've all seen it. <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. Good Thursday morning, you podheads. And we're just coming off a long-range class, so please forgive my voice. It probably sounds like gravel. I've been out on ranges for about a week straight now screaming at people. Excuses, Uh, excuses. You always sound like shit. (laughs) You also always scream at people. That's my job. Walk back and forth and yell at people. We're we're sitting here today. We're actually, we're we're a man down. Uh, Jason Wilson is, is out on vacation this week. So I am sitting here completely outnumbered i have brandy to my left and i have pro shooter caitlin wheeler to my right who just completed a three-day long-range class yeah so i got to actually not only hear jason talk about long-range stuff i got to hear him talk crap the whole time which isn't normal well you know it, it was so fascinating to watch you i had to do this little national geographic thing about all the positional shooting that you were doing yeah, well, you give me an Uno bag about Armageddon gear. What do you expect? <laughs> Chaos. Exactly. <laughs> and awesomeness. So this is a little out of your comfort zone. Uh, going from three-gun shooting to more of a of a PRS style of shooting. Uh, what did you think? How, how did you feel about all that? So... In three-gun, we obviously have a long range with our rifle. However, it's definitely not as it's not as far at all as what we were shooting at this week. And it was really cool and kind of surreal getting to understand what was actually behind the optic, what was behind the rifle, um, ranges, how to mill targets. And instead of just coming up with my three-gun rifle and just shooting, it was more precise and actually measuring out where targets are. You had to do math. I had to do math. Hey, everybody. By the way, I love math now, as long as it's ballistic math. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why they call it weaponized math. Exactly. Um, You took some significantly long shots in the last couple of days. Talk about those. Uh, Yeah, so I shot the mile in my second shot with Jason's 300, so that was really fun. That's the first time I've ever done that before. Um that was the furthest shot, wasn't it? That was the furthest shot yeah. we took. It was actually just a, a little bit more than a mile. It was 1768. Still Ooh. far. Eight. Exactly. <laughs> hey, it's still in the kill zone. And you know what? That that target was, it. 
if I remember correctly, that target is 40 inches tall, 36 inches wide. So it's not really that big. You're talking a minute and a half. Yeah, and wind out there, too. We were shooting, obviously, elevation-wise into the mountain and everything, and wind was kind of swirling a little bit. So for me to get it on my second shot, I was definitely very proud of that moment. And you were holding, what, a mil and a half? I was, yep. That's that's pretty significant wind. Um, Did now, we measure it out to be, like, 20 miles per hour or something like that if I was holding a mil and a half? It was, it was just about. It was, we were 15, pretty much sustained, gusting to 20, 25. Yeah. So we had a couple other guys that shot that, and I know one guy had to, sh- had to hold three mils of wind to get there. But I was pretty impressed because we, of the three shooters we had in class, uh, everybody hit the mile with a total ammo expenditure for all three shooters of nine rounds. We've had people in other classes that you give them a box and they can't get it done. Yeah, I was I was proud of the way that we all did, but it does kind of take a good instructor for us to get here. So. Oh, you just suck it up. Yeah. I got to some point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I have to like spend the night in your house, so <laughs> got to make sure I'm not going to wake up dead. Way to make it creepy. <laughs> just saying. So we've some of the other shots you took. You you took some pretty significant shots. Yesterday you were thirteen hundred yards. We were kind of we were we were playing between about nine fifty, and I think the long one was thirteen thirty. Those were pretty significant, and we had some pretty high winds yesterday. Yeah, and to top it off. I, I ended up switching rifles this morning to year 300, but yesterday I was shooting my 6 Creed the entire time. So for me to be able to hit that far of a shot with the 6 Creed, I was very happy. And then to also put the cherry on top of the cake, um, I was shooting with the MLX, and I was holding way above the target and wasn't even actually on a hold mark. I'm so proud. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> and one of the other cool things we got to do uh, so last night we we had kind of a long day yesterday, but we we waited around till dark and played around with some Firebird targets, and you got to shoot at night under nods. So, funny story. I actually I found real like great joy in shooting with nods. That was that was amazing. First time I've ever done anything like that. First time I've ever looked through nods. Um, but I think the best part still was just looking up at the stars. <laughs> Shooting was fun, but the stars were awesome. She's out there with a BVS-14 just staring up into space. <laughs> Laughing and giggling like, like I, a two-year-old. Like, there's there's stuff there that I can't see otherwise. Yes. <laughs> what else do you expect from me? You give, I mean, all it is is big toy, or big guy toys. Yeah, yeah, give a mouse a cookie. More like a frog. Yes, you kind of did earn the name Frogger. I am the Frogger. <laughs> So, other than than shooting long range, and you were shooting a a six millimeter Creedmoor, uh, that was a Shaw Shaw made rifle in an MDT chassis. Uh, you you're also shooting a suppressor, and that was one that I hadn't seen before. Very very short suppressor, but pretty effective. Who who makes that? So my suppressor is actually made by Wyoming Arms, and last year when I was out here in Cody, Wyoming, shooting a three gun match, Wyoming Arms actually sponsored the match. And the funny story about this suppressor is that I was the only junior at the match. So, like, the only young one there. And the suppressor was part of a prize table drawing type thing. 
And I looked at my dad before they like announced who the winner was. And I was like, what are the odds that the only junior here is going to be the one that wins the suppressor? And not even five seconds later, they called out my name. And I just kind of stood there and was like, there's no way I actually just want a suppressor. And now I'm here actually shooting, well, doing long range now, but hopefully getting into more PRS matches in the future. And I actually have a suppressor now that I can use. So that's kind of really cool. Yeah, that means you're not going to be that guy. Yeah, MOA Brady. or the break. I'll put a break on that gun. Don't you push me. Okay. <laughs> I think that was a bit. For, for, for what you're doing. So, uh, all right. So, for the listeners out there, we just we just did a build for Brandy. She was she was wanting to get into more of the ELR range and, and some of the longer ranges. So, we, we built up a 6.5 PRC. Got it dropped into a chassis. Um, chassis is a PD Customs. And we were kind of putting it through its paces, getting it dialed in, getting it zeroed. Uh, I, I'm going to say your dope's on. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, probably needs a little bit of fine-tuning, but I, I think you're there. Until Caitlin uses your rifle scope as a spotting scope and cranks up the magnification in a second focal plane. Okay, oh. well, oh. okay. But oh. when you're the only one shooting MOA at the range and everyone else is in mills, I kind of forget that because we've all been switching rifles the entire time just using that as a spotting scope. So... <laughs> Don't come at me like that. <laughs> You're the only MOA out there, so it's so worthless. We're just going to use it as a spotting scope. Exactly. <laughs> Bite me. <laughs> I knocked off the Firebird, just going to say. Yeah, that you did. Yes, you did. Now, that was pretty impressive. That was the first time I had actually seen a Firebird go off at night. Uh, that was a flash. Yeah, so when... Well, I think she was talking about the one from daylight today. Well, yeah, she she knocked that one off the target, but uh, the the ones that you guys hit last night, and I was I was a little sneaky about it because uh, we went out there and we illuminated some targets so that they could shoot through their day scopes and kind of see how that worked when you're shooting on an illuminated target. Well, I had stuck firebirds onto these targets and then painted over everything so you couldn't see the firebird on the target, and that when I I remember you that hit it. Uh, but mm -hmm. when the first one went off, everybody kind of sat up and went, whoa. And you call me devious. Yeah, it, so I was the one that shot it, and I, what rifle did I have? Because I ended up switching to another one. You were shooting a 6mm arc with a PVS-30 on it. Okay. Well, when I ended up shooting it, the, in, the explosion just completely blew up within my reticle, and I had no idea it was even on there. And so I jumped back. The guy sitting next to me jumped back and kind of screamed some words. And then <laughs> we all was just sitting there like, did that actually just blow up? And I don't know. It was just, it was an amazing experience. Now, you had a pretty intense exercise yesterday morning is how we kicked off the day. Uh, I had hidden a target on the range. It was kind of in some trees and some scrub and I had painted this thing camouflage and I made sure to do this early in the day because the way the light was this thing was invisible it was definitely hard to see especially at the angle that you put it at with the trees yeah so yeah don't test me I will <laughs> that's what makes it fun and, uh, and that was one of the things we talked about. You know, one of the, one of the parts of this class is is target detection and being able to get your spot your shooter on target, get them the range, get them the dope, get them 
to make that hit. And since you were the first one to pick this thing out, you got to take the first shot. How did that go? So I I found the target first, which I was very proud of myself on. And I knew he painted it camouflage. I was trying to look for imperfectionist, which was near to impossible, but still worked. Picasso. Something like that. <laughs> um, but get behind my rifle, find it in my optic, and I kept having a problem of losing it. So I had to actually find landmarks to remember where that target was. Then I actually wasn't even holding on the target because of the way the tree was cutting over half of it off. So I chose another landmark and kind of had a little bit of a holdover on that certain mark to hit the target itself. So it was a mind game, but I still did it. You did. And first round hit. Yes, sir. That 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 kind of got to be a theme over the last few days. It did, and I was shocking myself just as much as everybody else, to be honest with you, because, again, this is my first time ever doing anything like this, and I kept playing around with myself, and once Jason actually taught me how math works, it, it really clicked to me, and I started ranging my own targets, and it was really cool to see how... Even though it might have been 30 yards off, I was still actually impacting on the target, and my math was actually adding up to what the ranges were. Now, we talked about that because that was something that you, you kind of had a, a, a few minutes. So you had a difficult time wrapping your head around that. I was because, shocked. Because you gave me a range, and I told you, go ahead and shoot it. And when I gave you the actual range, you were about 20 yards off, and you couldn't wrap your head of, uh, around how that worked until I explained danger space. Yeah, and once you actually drew it out for me, it it did click, but in the very beginning, and then before you said that, everyone else shot at the target first, and then you explained it to me, and it all just kind of clicked. My favorite moment, though, I will never forget, is when I did the math on it, and I was only four, year, four yards off of what the actual range was. Yep. I was proud of that. Amazing what happens when you get really detailed in your milling. Something like that. Um, yeah, you and you had actually had several of them that you were four, six, eight yards off, which in this game, shooting the steel that we were shooting, you're, that's, that's insignificant. Um, of course, I say that, but understand that this is not, you know, this is not a, this is your first time come to, come to class and I'm just going to teach you how to shoot kind of course. The targets that you guys were shooting at, uh, at at probably their largest were two MOA, and those were your cider targets to confirm dope. Everything else was running a minute, minute and a half target, so these were not big targets. And to add on top of that, they weren't even normal targets. They weren't just, oh, yeah, I'm going to throw a couple of squares out there, maybe a couple of rounds. There were silhouettes. There were man targets with holes in the center of them and heads that you could shoot out, and there was a kite. Kite was fun. Kite was a lot of fun. Um, difficult target, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, there were diamonds. There were tombstones. There, If you had an idea of what kind of target you wanted to shoot at, it was pretty much out there. Yeah. Well, except for all the ones that you painted yellow. Which were still fun. And disappeared. Okay. Well, you said you wanted a challenge, so what did I do? I painted them yellow and made it a challenge. You just forgot it was going to be you, the one that was being challenged. But it was also three other people. Well, two others, and then Brandy showed up. <laughs> Brandy shows up, laser gun on the on the bench, shoots the know your limits rack, packs up her stuff, and leaves. 
It's about how it works. <laughs> right? Had to get out of the ant pile you kept putting us in. Well, That you know. ant, all she had to do is hold in the same spot. Right. Obviously. We're going to need to make you a shirt that says that, by the way. <laughs> I need a few. I need a hoodie and a t-shirt so it's all season. Dear uh, shooter, just hold it in the same spot every time. <laughs> Quote, unquote. Well, it, okay. So going down that road, what what was the what was the one word that we talked about over and over and over with this class? I know you know it. it starts with a C. Now you have me second guessing. Consistency. Consistency. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is the name of the game in long range, and I and I think Brandy will attest to that because she's a prime example. Someone has to be. It's not you. <laughs> Shots fired. Wow. You know what? I'm going to start scheduling these classes and I'll make her teach them. And I'll stay home and cook. Uh, <laughs> That's even worse. Don't burn the kitchen down. That's all I got to say. I cook outside. Okay. Ramen. Do you like ramen? Uh, in, in few amounts. Are you, Really? Seriously? Mm-hmm. More like cereal. God. That's an option. <laughs> I told you. I told you. I was, I'm completely outnumbered. You asked for this. Mm, well... A fine ask. <laughs> so, over the last couple of days, you and I have had several other discussions beyond the long range. We, you know, we've kind of been focused on that with the class and everything. Um, but one of the things that you're talking about moving into beyond going into long range is teaching. Yes, sir. So, one of my biggest goals that I've had ever since I really stepped into the firearms industry is actually getting to take the knowledge that I have and the fun that I have in competing and putting that into a teaching perspective and teaching other people how to shoot firearms. God, you're going to make it work. I am going to make it work. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, and I applaud for you for that. And seeing what you did on the range a few days ago when you, when you helped us and you stepped up and you, and you taught an entire segment um, for, our, for our women's class that we did, You've got what it takes to do this, and you know anything that we can do to help you, we're there. That really means a lot, especially with me not really knowing still a lot of people in the firearms industry. It's really good to have you kind of by my side to guide me, and I couldn't ask for a better mentor. Well. (laughs) Shut up, Randy. Go ahead. That was just it. (laughs) (laughs) I, 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 was, I, I mean, I was there with you. You could definitely ask for better. You could probably throw a rock and find better. Maybe. It is Wyoming. <laughs> you got to throw a far. Long distance <laughs> rock. <laughs> far and over a couple mountains. Ah. You just, you know, upper atmosphere hits reentry. And it just totally kills the guy you're trying to hit. <laughs> <laughs> So what it, what was the you know you talked about the math you talked about um, you know understanding the the science behind it and the milling and and understanding your reticle and what's going on there what, what was probably the most significant moment for you So the most significant moment for me is when the light bulb went off and I have a lot of those moments but the biggest one was just I keep going back to the math because it's just it's still blowing me away. I'm not a math person. I hate math. I hate math. Period. But the most significant thing that I took away from the class and the best moment that I had is when it all just kind of came together and made sense. And I was just kind of looking at my paper, going, 
okay, this is actually realistic. Well, and, and one of the things that really impressed me with this class, because I, I'm, I make everybody mill their targets to start, because it's, it's a skill that I think everybody needs to have. I mean, let's face it, batteries go dead, and ranging animals for hunters, you know, the, those deer aren't very reflective. Mm-hmm. So getting a good read on them is, can be extremely difficult. He leaves the range finder on the couch, in the office. Yeah, exactly. How many, how many of us have done that? And don't tell me you haven't. I haven't. I don't have a rangefinder, so no. No, you have me. Exactly. It's the next best thing. But but I do. It is something that I kind of force because I think number one, it's a lost art, and and number two, having that backup that doesn't require batteries is always a good thing. But day two, because you guys were getting it, you understood it, you 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 were milling targets correctly, you were getting good ranges. And you were engaging those targets and and finding success. So to speed things up, I said, okay, you know, second day, you know, if if you want to keep milling your targets, but double check them with a rangefinder. And if you just want to go to, yeah, if you just want to go to the range, you know, just go to the rangefinder. I said, I I don't care at this point. You guys got that part. And nobody did. I never saw anybody bring out a rangefinder the entire weekend. Yeah, so what I would do to just double-check my targets is you had the um, yardage markers. So, like, there was 300 yards, 400 yards, 500 yards, 6, 7, 8. I think that was it because there wasn't a 900. But it went all the way up to 800 yards. So what I would do is is on the second day you put us out on the barrier. And that's when Sir Australian came out in you <laughs> and started calling me froggy and all kinds of stuff, which was fun. I loved it. <laughs> um, very on the spot, and I applaud you for that. But... Um, I, how I would kind of double check and make sure that what I, my, the math that I was doing was somewhat correct. And that's actually the day that I got, I was only the four yard difference mm-hmm. is I would pick out my target. I would mill it. I would find the yardage marker and then I would kind of see where I'm at in that distance. And that's how I would compare if I'm actually getting the math right or not. Well, I know, uh, that barricade and, and, Yes, I was kind of goofing around and having some fun. And and when I gave you guys the instructions on that barricade, I left them uh, purposely vague. Uh, I just I basically told you you had to use the barricade. And, and I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I want to let people use their imaginations because I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I can stand back and I'll watch students do things and I'm like, hmm, that's a good idea. Now, that's something I never thought of before. Uh, but also, I want you to look at what's available to you and figure out what works best for you. Um, and so, f- for that reason, I left I leave things particularly vague. Now, the way you approached it, you are going to be an extremely good PRS shooter because you gamed the hell out of it. Again, I didn't game it. I just played the game. Nobody used the triangle. Why did they not use the triangle? I used a triangle in the end. Actually, we did use a you triangle. You were forced to use the yeah. triangle. Nobody chose to use the triangle or the square. Right, but I still <laughs> end up, I, I did use the triangle. Nobody and used what about the swinging rope? Yeah, nobody used a rope or a chain either. Well, I kind of did. I threw it over my optic when I went prone. That's not using your, it. That's you moving your, it. You put your foot on it while you were doing the easy rider with the Chinese cheater. No, that was the bar right above it. <laughs> but close, but no. Yeah, uh, look up Wyotac reels and you will find out how this all went down. 
All I got to say is fun range shenanigans. Yes. And that's part of every class. And I, and I will tell you this as an instructor. Um, if you don't make it fun and you don't get people laughing and having a good time, um, you're going to lose them quick. And I think that's really how when I started picking everything up the most is you are unlike any other kind of instructor that I've really experienced before. You put everything into perspective. You had fun with it. And you kind of just let us play, observe what was going on. And if there was things that needed to be tweaked, you just kind of tweaked them a little bit and then said, okay, go have more fun. Well, and, and this was this was kind of a an odd class for me. Was, number one, it was small, um, which means that we, we progress through things quite a bit faster. Um, the other thing is all three of you showed up, and you were shooters. I didn't really have to spend much time on correcting mechanics or, you know, getting you your proper sight alignment, sight picture. You guys had this. Uh, so we moved very, very quickly from zeroing rifles, from calibrating our scopes to uh, truing our dope and then getting kind of getting on to the meat of the range and really starting getting into the class. So you guys progressed very, very fast. And when I don't have to make a lot of those corrections, really what I'm doing is I'm, I'm giving you an experiential class, and I'm, I'm giving you opportunities to get out of your comfort zone and try some things that maybe you haven't tried and push you to distances that maybe you haven't gotten to before. And I, I was really shocked to learn this morning that one of the guys in our class, before he had come here, had never shot past 100 yards before. It was wild getting to see him shoot, especially on the second day when we really started, when all the games came out and we started just kind of battling each other on who could hit it on the first shot and stuff like that. He was doing very well at some far distances. He was. Um, you know, we were, when we were shooting night, uh, he, you know, he was hitting almost everything he pointed at in the dark because he was running everything through his day scope. He was just using the illumination on the target. And then when he swapped with you and he got behind that six arc with the night vision on it, he sat there and I think he went seven for eight on a six inch by ten inch, uh, you know, Ipsic style target at 490. It was something like that. And literally the only miss that he had was his first shot. And that was just getting adjusted to what he was shooting at. Right. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed, and 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 I think everybody in the class, when when he said that, when he was like, "Yeah, I've never shot be, beyond a hundred yards before this," we all just kind of turned around and went, "You are lying." At that exact first reaction, <laughs> because his mechanics were solid, his rifle was absolutely solid. I think he was he was running a stock Bagheera, and impressive gun. Uh, we actually had one of those in our class last year, and, and the guy had just bought it, brought it to that class, and it ran just as well as this one did. Yeah, and the thing that even adds to it is the fact that I haven't been doing long range. Like, this is my first true long range experience. However, I've been shooting three gun for, for almost three years now. And this guy that's never shot past 100 yards comes out here and is keeping up with me on targets. And me and him are going against each other on the dueling tree. And he's keeping up with me. Like, that. that's impressive. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, everybody, because you would go and do something. And 
I would hear you from across the range giggling about something. And and I, I know at one point we were we were off. I think we were setting the next stage, and I, from a hundred yards away, I hear bang, fling, and I hear you giggle, <laughs> and all of us just started laughing <laughs> because you couldn't get enough. I couldn't, and that's. I think that's the best thing about shooting is not only is it a good skill to have and something that I encourage everyone to learn and understand, but it's fun and I do this for fun and I, I seriously can't get enough of it. If I'm behind a rifle, if I'm behind a pistol, it, it doesn't matter if I'm pulling the trigger, I'm having a blast literally. Uh, okay. So serious matter. You had some equipment issues. I did. What were those? So one of the biggest, well, there were two main issues that I had. The first major issue that I had was ammunition. And it wasn't wanting to seat into the barrel very well. And then once I would get it down, I would have to nearly slam the bolt the bolt down, which obviously caused other issues. And it finally got to the point where I would try to put one in, and if it didn't go, I just backed it out and I set that round off to the side and... There were a couple of times where I was getting very aggravated, especially during the games, because everyone else's rifles were running smooth, and they they didn't have to come up off of their scope and rack the round out or anything. I was having to completely come off of the scope sometimes, sit on top of my rifle, get the round out, and chamber a new one. And it got to the point where I, I was devastated. Well, and we started... We really dug into that, and I, I think we have, a, have the solution for you. Um, so I think we, we finally overcame that issue. Uh, the other issue you had was bipod. Yes. So I had the one of the Codwell bipods on the rifle, and I like to push up against my rifle because that's just, like, more sturdiness when I'm behind it and I'm shooting. And it's like the more I would push, the more it would just kind of go forward. And then it finally got to the point where my bipod was so loose, I could barely use it. And it became a huge issue, especially when we were shooting on the truck and shooting at the 1,300-yard target, because I was not stable. It continued to move, and to add on that, on top of it, I was on a truck. And it was, it was a frustrating moment. Now, you, you solved that pretty easily with a swap. I did. So what's the advice that you would give new shooters? So the biggest advice I would give new shooters is, well, there's kind of two parts to this. First of all, try equipment before you buy it. Um, Kind of go through pro shooters, ask their opinions on equipment and stuff. Um, And then after that, you can go out and buy it and use it yourself. Second advice is always carry a backup. Um, It doesn't have to be an overly expensive backup. It doesn't have to be anything special or pretty or nice or anything like that because it's going to be used. But if something goes down on a range and you need a backup, you'll have it. Right. Now, going to that backup point, I want to back up a few days here to when we we taught the class. Uh, I think between the two of us, you, you and I had four guns go down that day. Yes, we did. Uh, which, which was fine because we had we had spares, we had backups, and we made it through. But now, of course, you and I have we we we've made it through this kind of training bender, and we're we're unloading and reconfiguring for the next time. And, and I'm sitting here with I, I I made a specific pile of gear that I have to go through and fix before it's ready to go again. 
Yeah, sorry about that, but stuff happens. Why are you sorry? I mean, it, it is what it is. And one of them was kind of your rifle, so. It, it happens. <laughs> I know. I mean, that's, uh, and and it's funny, too, and I, I was thinking about this today, and I, and I thought about, you know, us as as shooters who are, we do this all the time, like this is kind of our profession. Um, something goes down, something breaks. We don't even really think twice about it. Uh, we go home, we get the spare parts, we fix it, and we get it back into service, we go about our business. Um, I was thinking about this, especially for newer shooters. Uh, maybe this is their first gun, or this is maybe their only gun. And to have a failure like that and have a gun go down, and now because they don't have the tools or or the time or or the knowledge to to fix it because they are new they're out like they got to get this thing to a gunsmith i I can see where there'd be some panic going on, yeah, but then you got to think about the fact that the firearms a community, which obviously it it depends sometimes. But we're a very helpful community. So you don't always have to take, if you're missing a screw or something, call one of your other firearm buddies, look it up, whatever, and you can fix it on your own. Um, it's not always one of those problems that you have to go extreme about. Jason had a problem once in one of his classes where he actually tossed his rifle and used his partner's rifle. I did. So yeah, I remember this, was, the story. this was... Uh, five years ago, I I went down. <clears throat> I'd taken a gun sight class. It was the seven day precision rifle class. Uh, that's with Corey Trap. And on the last day, we we were doing sort of a timed event where we had five minutes to lay down, find our targets, mill them because we weren't allowed rangefinders in the whole thing. Uh, get our dope, and then we had to engage all the targets. On the very first stage, <laughs> I was the very first shooter, and the clock starts, we get everything ranged, we get it doped out, everything's good. I, I chamber the round, press the trigger, and it just didn't feel right. The recoil impulse was wrong, it just didn't feel right. So... I open the bolt, I eject the, I eject the round, and realize there's not a bullet in the case. And I know I didn't send one down range. So I immediately look at my spotter, said, I think I just had a squib. And he goes, he, without hesitation, looks at me and says, here's my gun, finish it up. Take my gun, because I needed it out of the way, kind of tossed it to the side, and not thinking about how close we were to the edge of this little, like, rock pile, rip-rap thing to stop erosion. And I watched my rifle bounce about 12 feet down these boulders. Well, nothing I can do about it now. Grab the rifle, finish the stage. He finishes the stage. I walk down. I grab my rifle. We get a cleaning rod, clear the squib, and on top of this rifle, I've got to give kudos, was a Lucid MLX. And did not need to be re-zeroed, other than a few dings and scratches. Nothing was wrong with it. And I was able to complete the course and complete all the stages involved. And dear shooter, this is exactly why we have the phrase, this is why we can't have nice things. I do have nice things, and it's still, it's still riding on that rifle. 
I have to say, um, I don't have a story, nothing like that. However, I was at a match one time, and obviously, me being a three-gunner, I throw my rifle in a barrel. Well, this barrel had a screw sticking out the top side of it. Didn't notice it until after the fact, and I went to retrieve my rifle and make it safe. Well, unload it, show clear, that type thing. And... I went and I looked at my optic, which was, and it is still, a Lucid L7. And on the top of it, there's this giant gash all the way down the top side of my optic where the screw dug into it. Didn't lose zero or anything, but she's a little dinged up now. Uh, time, time for a paint job. Yeah. Just paint it. But why paint it when I can show battle scars? Yeah. True. It's character. Exactly. I mean, battle-worn. It's battle worn. <laughs> My rifle's definitely battle worn. Now that's your, that that's your teal one, right? It is not. So the rifle that I shoot in three gun competition is actually the Stag Arms three gun elite rifle, and it has some Tiffany blue, well, Robin egg blue Timber Creek parts on it. But it's actually just a black rifle with just some teal accents. Right. Now and yeah, so that's the one. That's your competition gun. It is. You were showing me you were having an issue with that too. No. So that's actually my solid teal gun. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wrong gun. Too too much teal parts. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I wonder if it's your favorite color. Something like that. Wow, even whisper. Well, somebody's got to whisper. So where do you see yourself going from here? So from here it's kind of just up. Um, so I'm going to continue this year shooting three gun. Obviously it is my main sport. It's what I love to do. So I'm going to continue it. And then I'm actually going to drift into some PRS matches and do some more long range scattered around the country. Um, and then I'm also starting now working on learning, like teaching myself prior to me taking actual instructor classes on how to become an instructor. And I, I will tell you right now, you are in for a journey. It's a journey that I'm ready for, though. I think I, I think you are. Uh, I saw the way you instructed. You are devious. You are really funny, and and people look uh, like they they learn from you and they gravitate to you, and those are all going to be helpful things as you become an instructor. I really appreciate those words. And you know we're going to be here to help you, to mentor you, to get you through some of these hurdles. And uh, I can tell you this right now, I, I am looking forward to the things that we're going to do in the future. I'm extremely ready for it. Well, Caitlin, thank you for being with us. And before my voice completely falters here, we are going to close it out by saying until next week, just keep claiming the gun. <laughs>